want to welcome everybody to Forest Park tonight. If you turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. One, before we start, I would like you to think about if you have any friends, family, co-workers, anybody that you know that used to be a member of the church, and if they've fallen away. If they're not here today, what could the church be if every person that was baptized, that was saved, was here today. What could the church accomplish? Now, there may be multiple reasons why they left. They may have left because they didn't like something that was going on. They didn't agree with something that was going on. They may have, they may have personalities may not have matched. They may have left various reasons. But Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 17, we're going to look at that tonight. See, what we can do, what I can do, to stand firm. The Bible teaches that one can fall away. In 2 Timothy 4.10, we see that Demas... Love this world, and he fell away. We see in Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son. He goes to his father and he asks for his inheritance, his part of his inheritance. He gets it. He goes away into a far country and wastes his inheritance. He's living with the pigs, eating what the pigs are eating. The famine. He comes to his senses. The great part about Luke 15, he comes home. And his father runs to him. He fell away. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12 says, Take heed lest you fall. 2 uh, Peter 2, 20, After they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. That means they had been saved. They had come to know Jesus through his blood. Then they were entangled therein and overcome. How many people become entangled with the world? How many people become entangled with themselves and leave the church? The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. We're in a battle. 
Not a physical battle. We're in a battle. A couple years ago, I went um, to play airsoft with Mike Meeks. I don't know if Mike's here tonight, but he invited some of the young people to play airsoft. So I went. Didn't have a gun. Didn't have an airsoft gun. Didn't have any equipment. Didn't have any armor. Didn't have anything. So I get out of my vehicle and Mike's there. And Mike gets out and he's, he, get, he starts putting stuff on. He's putting a vest on. He's got six or seven um, things of ammunition in his vest. He's ready. I'm looking at Mike. This is not fair. This is not fair. What are you fixing to do to me? I mean, we, we kidding? I'll go hide somewhere. You just, you win. He come prepared. He had, the, he had the armor. He had the weapons. I didn't come prepared. We're in a battle. Not a physical battle. We look around our world today, and we see fighting all over our world today. That's not the battle we, we as Christians should be fighting. We as Christians should be fighting the spiritual battle. Because your soul's on the line. My soul's on the line. From almost the beginning of time, Satan has lied to us. It started in Genesis 3, 4 through 5. Where he tells Eve that she should not surely die if she ate of the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden. In Matthew 1, verses 1 through 10, Satan tempts Jesus. And each time, Jesus says, it is written. Jesus was grounded in truth he had the armor of God. He didn't let Satan tempt him. In 1 Peter 5, verses 8, tells us that Satan is a roaring lion that walks around seeking whom he may devour. He's not wanting to become your friend. He's not wanting to get close to you so he can help you out. He's not wanting to see your best. He's wanting to devour you. Now, don't, let that sink in for a second there. He's wanting to devour you. He wants you to, you to be lost tonight. He's hoping you leave the church tonight and never come back. The great news is Jesus already won the victory. Jesus has won the victory. That's the great news. End of the sermon, we go home. He's already won. But Satan's trying to destroy us, each and every one of us. We as Christians must put on that armor of God. Let's look at verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord 
and in, his, and in the power of his might. Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus said, all power is given to me in heaven and on earth. In 1 Peter 1, 5, the Bible tells us that we are kept by the power of God unto salvation. Hebrews 4, 12 tells us that the word of God is quick, powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword. 2 Corinthians 13, 4 tells us that Jesus was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth through his resurrection by the power of God. It also says that we are weak in him, but we shall live with him through the power of God. See, it has nothing to do with how powerful I am. It has nothing to do with how great I am. It has everything to do in the power of Jesus, in the power of God. I can't be great enough. We live because Jesus rose again. The death, the burial, and the resurrection is the gospel of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. And it shows us the power of God. Romans 1, 16, the gospel. 1 Corinthians 15 tells us the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And then in Romans 1, 16, the gospel is the power unto, of God unto salvation. As we go through this life, many times we look at ourselves for strength. We go through this life and we depend on ourselves and everything that we need. Everything that we accomplish in life, look what I did. As Christians, we must rely on God's power and allow his word to strengthen us as we go through this life and look to our gold of heaven. As we go through the rest of this chapter, we will see how to remain faithful and stand in the power of God's word. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. No man goes into battle without the correct armor. I've never been in the military, but you can ask military people in this, in this congregation, what happens if they go into war without the right equipment? Someone's going to lose their life. Someone's going to get killed that day. If someone fails to take the right armor, the right equipment, whatever it may be, Paul tells us that we may be we will be able to stand if we put on the armor of God. You've got to do these things. Again, the ultimate battle has been won by Jesus when he died. He was buried and resurrected. If we don't put on the armor of God, we won't be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 57.
But thanks be to God, which giveth us, giveth, giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We can stand if we put on the whole armor of God. Satan is out to devour us. Satan is out to kill us spiritually. Verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and against blood, but but principalities against powers, against the rules of darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness, wickedness in high places. John 18, verses 1 through 10. Jesus is going to be arrested. Verse 3 tells us that a band of, band of men and officers from the chief priests of Pharisees came with lanterns, torches, torches, and weapons. And in verse 10, Peter pulls out his sword to cut off Malchus's ear. Jesus tells Peter in verse 11, put up your sword. Jesus knows how difficult this is. He's going to be arrested, be taken to that cross, and be crucified. But he is, do, he is going to be obedient to the will of God. He also understands the gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection. He understands that through this, all men have the opportunity to be saved through his death, burial, and resurrection. There was a battle that occurred in Chickamauga. The north was coming down. The Union was coming down, and the Confederates surround them and defeat the Union. The Confederates retreat and go back, and the Union goes into Tennessee. Instead of going after them, they let the Union revamp. Regroup, get more men, get more military support, get more weapons, get rested. And the Union came down and defeated the Confederates again, the, se the second war battle. As Christians, we must take a stand with our faith. We must not waver. We must not compromise in our faith. We must make sure that we have love while standing strong. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast to the profession of our faith without wavering. Satan's lost the battle. When Jesus died and was buried and was resurrected to defeat Satan, even though Satan has lost the battle, he wants to take as many people to hell with him. If we look at the attributes of God or Jesus, Satan doesn't have those attributes. Satan can't offer us anything. But so many times we look at this world and we put our faith and trust in this world. 
instead of God and Jesus. Verse 13. Wherefore, take upon, uh, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand the evil day and having done all, stand. Take up the whole armor of God. We don't do this just one time. Accomplish, accomplish it and leave it alone for the rest of our lives. We continue to do these things. We continue to live in these things. We continue to try to accomplish these things as we go through our lives. We must strive to fulfill the command on a daily basis. If Christians take one portion of, of, the, of, of this armor, you won't be able to stand against the devil. Um, as, I, as, as I grew up, my dad, he always taught me, there's one part of the armor that's missing in these verses right here. There's nothing to protect your back. There's nothing to protect your back. Why is that? Because as Christians, we don't need to turn away from God. If we turn away from God, we've lost the battle. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day and done all to stand and done all stand. Jesus resisted, resisted the devil by saying it is written. He quoted scripture to him. James 4 verses 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist to stand against. How many times do we give in to Satan? How many times in our life do we give in to this world? To stand against, to oppose. Do we oppose things of darkness? You can't stand and serve light and darkness. You've got to choose one or the other. I've got to choose one or the other to withstand. He's not going to tempt you one time and leave you alone. He's not going to tempt me one time and just say, okay, he's faithful. He's, I ain't going to mess. No, he's going to keep coming and keep coming and keep coming and keep coming. We have to withstand him. Ephesians 4, 27. Don't give place to the devil. Hey, there's, with, with life, I see things at school and I things, see things other places. If you open a door to the devil, it's going to be hard to shut it. It's going to be hard to shut it. Don't give him any opportunity in your life. 2 Peter 3, 17, Beware, lest ye also be led away with the error of the wicked. Proverbs 1.10, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not. Romans 13, neither ye yield your members of instruments of unrighteousness, but yield, submit yourself to God. Are you, am I submitting myself to God? Or am I setting, submitting myself to Satan and giving in and letting him do, do whatever he wants to do in my life? The word of God says that we will be tempted just as men of old were. We can look through the scriptures. 
and see men of old that were tempted, just like I was, just like you are. But we look at Hebrews 11 and other places in the scriptures and we see men and women who put their faith and trust in God, put on these attributes so they could stand against Satan. This doesn't mean that it will be easy, but it is possible. Verse 14, stand therefore having your loins girded about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. So here we're talking about truth and righteousness. I've mentioned this before in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 through 4. Paul tells the Corinthians that they have received the gospel wherein you stand. 1 Corinthians 16, 13 tells us to watch, stand fast in the faith. Luke 6, 7, uh, 47 through 49, whoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, he's like a wise man. Not enough to hear it, not enough to believe it. We've got to have action. We've got to do it. Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I liken him to a wise man. But he who heareth and doesn't do, he's a foolish man. John 1.14 tells us that Jesus is full of grace and truth. Jesus is truth. John 14.6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes unto me, comes to the Father, but through me. John 17.17 17 says, sanctify them, set them apart by thy truth. Thy word is truth. God's word is truth. We need nothing else. John 8, 32, the truth will make you free. John 14, 23 tells us that the words that Jesus proclaimed was not Jesus' words, but it was from God. Second Timothy 2.15 tells us to study, to show ourselves approved unto God, rightly dividing the word of truth. Second Timothy 3.16 tells us all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, what is right, for reproof, what is wrong, for correction, how to get right, for instruction, how to stay right. Acts 17.11, the Bereans were more noble because they search the scriptures daily. We need to uh, have our loins girded about with truth. Not when it's convenient. Not when it makes us happy. Not when it's whatever. We need to be about truth. The last part of that verse says that we need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
1 Timothy 6, 11 tells us to flee these things and follow after righteousness. When we think about righteousness, what do we think about? Think about holiness. God is holy, holy, holy. And we must strive to be holy. 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16, Christ has called us to be holy because he is holy. Holy, pure, blameless. We as Christians need to be those things. We need to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Verse 15, and, and, and have your feet shod, shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13. we read the scriptures we know that the that the old law was for the Jewish people and in the New Testament we see that the Gentiles were given the opportunity to be saved by the blood of Jesus verse 13 says but now in Christ Jesus you were sometimes afar off or being made nigh by the blood of Jesus Gentiles were far off but they have become Christians through the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 10, 4, it's not possible for blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. Jesus is our peace. Ephesians 2, 4. He took the Jew and the Gentile relationship and he says that you were one. Your brothers, in verse 19 of Ephesians 2, Now therefore, ye are no more strangers nor foreigners, but your fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Jesus brings about peace, and he wants us to be about peace. I just want to tell you this from experience that I have. You can't shove the gospel down somebody's throat. I've tried it. Jack, I've tried it. I promise you. You can't shove it down somebody's throat. He wants us to preach that gospel in love just as he did. He wants us to be about peace. Now, I'm not saying we need to step aside and and say, hey, we're going to compromise what the Bible stands for. That's not what I'm saying at all. Let's be prepared to shod our feet with the gospel of peace. And then in verse 16, it says, take up the shield of faith. Hebrews 11, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith comes by hearing the word of God, Romans 10, 17. And Ephesians 4, 5, it has the seven ones there. And it says in verse 5, there's one faith. We can't, I've, I've heard people all my life 
say this, well, we're just going to have to agree to disagree. We can't do that spiritually. We cannot agree to disagree spiritually. If it, if it matters what room we paint this color, what carpet we put down, yeah, we can disagree. When it comes to truth, there's no compromising. We can't compromise the truth of God's word. Galatians 1, 6 through 9. Paul says, I marvel that you were so soon removed from the gospel that you were called, which is not another, but some pervert the gospel of Christ. Verse 8, if any preach another gospel, let him be accursed. And he repeats that in verse 9. We need to preach. We need to be unified in what we teach. Jesus preaches unification. Jesus preaches. He, we want, he wants us to be one. Not, not with some man, but with God. With Jesus, through Jesus. Matthew, Matthew 15, 9 tells us that some worship God, but their worship was vain. Why? They taught the doctrines and commandments of men. We should not put our faith in men, in the teachings of men. The Bible teaches there is one faith, and the faith comes from the Holy Scriptures. People have said over and over that we will have to agree to disagree. As Christians, when there is a thus saith the Lord, we cannot agree to disagree. Verse 17, verse 17 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Let's go back to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 4 tells us how they were lost. And he, verse 2, we're in times past, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power there, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we were had of our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were the by nature, the children of wrath, even as others. These people are lost. They were not following God's word. They didn't know God's word. And then 4 through 11 talk about them being saved. Verse 5, he quickened us together with Christ. Verse 6, hath raised us up together to sit in heavenly places. Verse 8, we're saved by grace. Verse 12, you had no hope but through Jesus. But through his blood, because he died for you, today you have hope. That's what we preach. That's what we teach. Because of Jesus, we have hope, a hope of heaven, a hope, expectation. A Paul, Paul was expecting, Paul was expecting 
heaven. He was looking for heaven. He said, to die is gain. If I die right now, I'm, I'm, he's saying, I'm, I've got heaven. Where are you tonight? Have you put these things on in your life? Have you applied these things to your life so that you won't fall? So that you can stand? Verse 17, it also talks about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Pierce it even the dividing asunder of the soul and spirit of the joints of marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, Romans 1.16. In the book of Acts, they preached the word of God. And every time they preached the word of God, the church grew. The church increased. The church multiplied. Why? There's power in the blood. We sing the song. There's power in that blood. In Acts 6, verses 1 through 7, the apostles chose seven men to take care of those widows that were being neglected. After they chose those men, in verse 7, the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied. Where are you tonight? You may be in this audience that you may never have obeyed the word of God. You may know there's a God, but have you believed? Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God? Are you willing to repent of your sins, to turn away? People teach sometimes it's a 180-degree turn. Yeah, it is. 1,000% right. It's a mindset change. Are you willing to confess Jesus before men tonight? And then be buried with him in baptism, Romans 6, 3 and 4. Are you one that has not stood? Each one of us, I have to, each one of us has to examine ourselves on a daily basis to see if we are in the faith, to see if we're following after God's word. See if we're standing. If you have a need for the church tonight, we ask you to please come as we now together stand and sing.